Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 15, Somewhere in the World, It's Christmas. Mary, what happened this week? It's Christmas Eve. (laughs) The Walshes are going to Hawaii, but first they're having Christmas Eve dinner and remembering their first Beverly Hills Christmas when they all stressed out Cindy with a bunch of unexpected guests, including Lonely Santa. The Walshes get on a plane to Hawaii and make fun of Brenda for being nervous about flying, but then they either have trouble with their landing computer or maybe it's just the bulb that's burned out on their console. Either way, they're turning around and assuring everyone it's going to be okay. Brenda and Brandon remember happy times while preparing to maybe die. They don't, though. It's literally fine. (laughs) Dylan pops by and drops off gifts for the Walshes and a kiss for Brenda before heading out to make another stop before going to Baja. He goes to Kelly and Donna's to give Donna a Christmas gift and a birthday gift and several mistletoe kisses. Then he kisses Kelly because Dylan is just a kissy boy today. Also, presents for Kelly. A random acquaintance of Dylan's dad shows up at Dylan's house with a kid. She says she used to travel with Jack, but after Jack died, they lost everything they had in a flood. Also, the kid is Dylan's half-sister. She drew him a picture, and it's cute. Dylan decides to let them stay with him and instead of a motel and gets them a Christmas tree and tickets to go to Disneyland together. David is going to Mel's dressed in a brown paper bag. Just kidding, it's a suit, I guess. Donna is wearing a gorgeous red dress. David is in a mood because Donna won't have sex with him. Mel offers him some eggnog from a coffee pot. David won't even smile for pizza rolls. Kelly broke her tooth on some candy and has to get Mel to fix it on Christmas Eve. They talk about the divorce, and afterward, Mel says he's not really mad at Jackie anymore, just her bloodthirsty attorney. Mel and Kelly hug. Andrea is all freaked out about going to midnight mass at a Catholic church with Jesse and his Catholic family. Andrea doesn't know what to wear for mass. Jesse is a sweet Catholic boy. They go to mass and a children's choir sings. Finals are also after Christmas for some reason. (laughs) Steve is worried about the dumb shit he did this year. Nat tells him to tell his dad he got hazed. Not that anything happens with that. The gang gathers at the peach pit to serve meals for the less fortunate. Steve is Santa again, and that's cute. Donna finally makes David talk to her after ignoring her for this entire episode. He says he loves her and that he knows it's her birthday and also Christmas, but he needs sex. Donna cries. (laughs) I, I don't even know where to start. Well, it's the easiest to start in the beginning, but also nothing happens in this episode. Okay, so yeah, I guess we'll start with the beginning where Cindy is making Christmas Eve supper. Mm-hmm. So her first practice for next Thanksgiving. Right, right. This is and- uh, this is preseason, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so like the montage, this episode is like weird Christmas decorations around, you know, Beverly Hills. But then it gets to everybody packing for vacation and you see Jim with plane tickets and all I could think about was how much I wanted this to turn into a Home Alone episode. Oh, man. Or they just leave Brenda behind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because she'd be the one that they would leave. It wouldn't be Brandon. Man, that would be so great. I would have loved it. It would be so perfect, especially if they all went to France 
but then again, Brandon <laughs> would have to get have to be home alone if they were That's going true. to France. Brandon can never go to France. Yep. But like, seriously, imagine it. Like. The shuttle shows up the next day. They're, like, rushing to get out the door, and that's when Andrea shows up and wants to know about Catholic Mass, which, by the way, Andrea, every single Catholic Mass is identical. It's true. So, like, this is – as a Catholic – or as being raised Catholic, I was just like, this is so easy. Like, and everyone does the exact same thing. So just stand up when other people stand up, sit down when other people sit down. Well, and I don't really know the con- – like, the breakdown of Catholics in L.A., I would imagine there's a lot because there's like Catholicism is very prevalent throughout the whole United States, but that to me speaks volumes of how many people, or at least there's nobody in the friend group that's Catholic or at least practicing Catholic because I feel like I have so many people in my friend group who were raised Catholic and I'm the weirdo for being raised Baptist in the South. So I just, yeah. (laughs) Well, so I remember when we were starting high school, a friend of mine was coming into the our Catholic high school from like not a Catholic middle school. And so we had to we had mass like every month, I think, during school. And so her mom was like, All right, well, you know, Ariel can take us to a mass and we'll see like how this thing goes down so that you're at least prepared for it. And then we made it like twenty minutes in and they were like, Okay, we get the gist of it. Let's go. Yeah. Like, I still have never been to a a Catholic mass, but Nate was raised Episcopalian, which is essentially diet Catholic. And so, like, when I went to Easter service with him and his family one time, it was literally like the whatever was in the program, like, that's what the instructions were. It literally was just like, all says blah, blah, blah sit down and then it's like stand up and read this part and then sit down or like repeat after the priest or whatever so I was like oh okay the only part that was really confusion confusion confusing was the communion part because like I had never taken place in a legitimate communion mine was always like ushers pass around grape juice and little gross cracker things in a baptist church because we don't drink wine that is not that's not correct it's grape juice only (laughs) And that was the only part that I was like, what do I do? And he was like, well, you just, and then he told me what to do. And I was like, wait a minute, I have to drink after all these people. And he was like, well, you don't have to, but like, yeah. (laughs) I was like, okay, what do I do if I don't want to? And he was like, just put your arms over your chest or something like that. And then you're good. I was like, okay. That was, yeah. like, the one thing that bothered me with, the like, the Catholic thing is Jesse being like, oh, yeah, just take your gloves off when you take communion. It's like, she can't have communion. She hasn't been baptized or hasn't had her first communion. And as a Catholic, you should know this, Jesse. True. I, I know. When he, like, started making jokes, like, as he was leading up to it, I was like, Jesse, you know she cannot take communion. Mm-hmm. He stopped that. Because, yeah, my dad is Jewish, and so, like, when we would go to Christmas Mass and Easter Mass and all that stuff, like, he just didn't go up with us. Like, he would stand up so everybody could get out of the pew, and then he would just sit back down and just, like, you know, fold his hands in his lap and wait for everybody else to be done (laughs) atoning. Right. He's just like, I did all that back in September. I'm done. Yeah, no atoning. It's okay. I didn't atone either. But, like, that's, like, yeah, so far down the line. Back to oh yeah my <laughs> home alone scenario. So Andrea comes over. 
all freaked out. Everyone's rushing around. She follows Brandon to the van to be like, I just don't know what's going to happen in Catholic mass. And they can even have the exact same conversation where he's like, I'm not Catholic. Call the Vatican. (laughs) And then like they're going to get in and somehow Cindy and Jim, because they don't pay attention to Brenda at all, confuse the back of Andrea's head for the back of Brenda's head. Then they leave. Then they're in the plane and she's just like, I don't know, because she can't say I made my family disappear. But they're all on the plane and that's when they realize like, we left Brenda and then they don't do anything about it. Yeah. They're like, oh, guess we can't turn back. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, she'll go to Hawaii next year. (laughs) Yeah. She's been to France. She's fine. (laughs) And then when they actually come back at the end of the day, like, they know it's because there was a possible power failure and they could have died. But they'll just tell Brenda they came back for her. Right. Exactly. Of course. We found out what happened. It immediately turned around. (laughs) We turned this whole plane around just for you. Could you imagine? No. Like, if they stopped a flight attendant and were like, we left our daughter at home, we have to go back. And the flight attendant was like, oh, my God, how old is she? 18. (laughs) Ma'am, no. I asked you if you wanted peanuts or pretzels. (laughs) Macadamia nuts. Yeah, right. Which, like, progressive because they don't do peanuts on planes anymore. Mm -mm. Um, I guess do we just want to talk about the Walsh's? Yeah, that's fine because it does stay pretty – that's like the the one storyline that stays pretty separate from everybody else. So, yeah, so everybody's packing. Um, then they take the – I guess for their Christmas card pictures on Christmas Eve or maybe just pictures in general. And it was just weird. I, I just always find it weird that like Branda – Branda. Dang it. We haven't done that <laughs> in so long. Brandon and Brenda – are siblings because they pose like they date. I thought that too. When she's like leaning up against him and he's got his arm completely wrapped around her. I was mm-hmm. like, I mean, I don't think I've ever hugged my brother that way. That's ever. The, that's the thing. It's like, I've hugged my brother, but when posing, it's it's like the typical just, okay, put your yeah, arm like, like on the side, like no extra stuff no. <laughs> like one of my brother one of my stepbrothers that's what I do the other one I don't know the last time I even hugged my stepbrother so to see that now granted with my sister I guess I would be but still I wouldn't do anything like this I don't know I just found it weird right like I I still feel like with you know a sibling that you're even really close with like you just hug normal but like Mm -hmm. tighter or like maybe you give a piggyback or something like that like I could see that Mm -hmm. but maybe it's because I'm still reeling from last episode when Brandon called Donna baby I just oh then you must have loved all of the kissing in this episode it it is not what we're talking about now but we will (laughs) but we're about to get to one because right after they take the photos they sit down for dinner and Cindy has done a whole Hawaiian theme which also that giant roast and they're leaving in like four hours that won't sit well (laughs) no it's gonna be so bad by the time you're back like you're gonna feel so full on the plane Mm mm-hmm 
also the idea that they were like, our flight doesn't leave for four hours. We're fine to just have a leisurely dinner. Oh, my God. No. Like, I would have been like, frozen pizza it is, or we're making a sandwich, or like, we're just getting snacks for, you know, the ride over, or like, just chilling in the airport, because even though, so my dad is is the guy that's like, two, three hours before the flight, he's already at the airport. Like, I remember when we went to Chicago um, a couple years ago, because bas- basically, we went up for the Notre Dame-Georgia game. And but we were going to Chicago. My dad was like, yeah, that'd be a fun thing to do for us, even though my dad is a Georgia Tech fan. But he just wanted to do like a trip with me and Nate. And so it was me and Nate and my dad, and my stepmom. And they were at the airport like so early. And my dad was texting me like, hey, we're already at the airport. We're at this gate. And it was like before Nate and I even woke up. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like not even the last minute kind of plane people. We're just like get their reason like, you know, 30 minutes before boarding or something like that just to get settled because I always like to get a bagel and like a cup of coffee or something like that especially if it's a morning flight but it's just so funny like how some people are with with planes which I totally get but even though like they're four hours ahead of it I still would just be like okay let's just make sure we're fully packed we're not forgetting anything we've got our snacks we've got like whatever and we're like ready to go they're just having a full dinner (laughs) right no I always I am an advocate of like morning flights because I just don't like sitting and knowing I have somewhere that I have to be. And like, mm-hmm. I am definitely the person that has the anxiety dreams about just like missing a flight. Yeah. Like, that's just who I am. Yep. No, I agree. Just one other thing about that. Like, what are they going to do with all of those leftovers? Are they just going to sit in the fridge while they're gone? Yes, exactly. I think, I think that's exactly it. They were just like, we're up on upper middle class. We can just throw this away. That's fine. Oh, Cindy's gonna compost it. That's true. I, actually. I don't know if you can compost meat. That sounds really gross. Well, on the other hand, maybe she made it all and was planning to give it to Nat to help with. I don't know. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> no, I think they just like they just wanted to show the Walshes having a very classic like we get to have a thanks Christmas feast. Mm-hmm. And then, like, no one was supposed to think about the leftovers. Yeah. Joke's on them. (laughs) I pay attention to the worst details. Well, but at the same time, I think it's safe to say all three of us love food. So, of course, we're going to be like, what about the food? (laughs) I actually – okay. So they had the dinner, and then Cindy went ahead and made the classic leftover sandwiches. Mm Mm-hmm. And they packed them to take on the plane. Because I'm pretty sure in 1993, you could just take whatever you wanted on a plane. I think so. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Like, you could bring food. Like, yeah, my parents used to, like, make us sandwiches to bring on flights with us, like, pre-9-11. So, yeah. Man, so crazy. I don't know. Back in the day. Was I ever on a flight before 9-11? I used to fly. I don't think so. I used to fly a lot when I was like little, because I mean, nine eleven, we were eleven. Yeah. So yeah, when I was little, you know, my parents lived in St. Louis, and all of our family lived in Chicago and Detroit. So, like over the summers, if I wanted to go visit family, and I was allowed to travel by myself, like it just throw me on a plane. But like. Mm-hmm. You could just walk into the airport. You could take it all the way down to the gate. They would like wave goodbye to me as I'm getting on the plane. Like I yeah. was alone for the hour long flight. Right. And you just can't do that anymore. Yeah. 
I don't think I ever took a flight until I'm trying to think of what my first flight was. You know, I think it was to Hawaii when I was 16. Look at that. Yeah. Like, because we went, I think I've talked about it before. We went to, um, we went to Hawaii for a band trip because they like somebody invited us to go play something. I don't know, just some songs and stuff, but we got to do it on a battleship, which was pretty dope. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, but yeah, I got my very first flight was a 10 hour flight to Hawaii nonstop. So man, that's a, I've like, I feel like you, you build up to the flight. Oh no, like not me. (laughs) (laughs) Which is crazy though, because like I'm, I get so much anxiety on flights now and I'm scared to death of turbulence. So this episode actually kind of gave me like some trauma here, but then I was totally fine. Like I have not, I did not gain flight anxiety until like, I think it's like four years ago or something like that. That's when like I had a really bad flight and I was by myself. And ever since then, I've just been terrified of flights. But man, back then, I don't even know that I even knew what was happening. I think I was just like, oh, it's just like a car ride, but smoother. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So yeah, like speaking of this like manifested flight anxiety that just like, you know, happens. We've seen Brenda fly a couple of times. Has she ever been anxious? Not that we've known. But, like, if you notice in this episode, which this is a good segue, it's, like, she is nervous about flying over the ocean but tries to play it off when Brandon brings it up. It's, like, she doesn't want Cindy and Jim to know that she's anxious. But she's also flown over the ocean before. I know. That's why I'm, like... Has she always been like this and just downplaying it? And this is, or are they trying to throw it in there to make us think, yeah, she really hasn't had anxiety the whole time. She's just never mentioned it. It's, I, I don't know if it matters at all. Like, I think they threw it in there to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to have this, like, the flight may go down anyway. So let's go ahead and pre give her anxiety. Sure. Also, I guess, go ahead. Oh, no. I, I was going to say this episode is written by a uh, fan of the podcast, Charles Rosen. Oh, dear. <laughs> My Maybe that favorite guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> well. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway. they Yeah. So then at the table, they just start to reflect on their first Christmas in Beverly Hills because it was super hot. They brought home the, the brown tree because – it's LA and Cindy's hair looked so good back then. Like I really hate that they just went full mom jeans, like mom haircut. Like I hate it cuz she like she looked so and she's still a very beautiful woman. I don't want anybody to think I'm like shaming her, but her ha- hairstyle was just so much better. Yeah, I'm not a huge like the the hairstyle this season feels a little too Mrs. Brady. Oh yeah. And it's just, that's not how I picture Cindy. Like, we even get that flashback of her, like, dressing up like Jaja Gabor. And I was just like, man, Cindy's kind of a fox. (laughs) Yeah, she can get it. I mean, like, her almost cheating on Jim at the 17-year inch, like, I (laughs) believed it. You know, like, absolutely Cindy can get it. Oh, my gosh. What if when they were on the plane having all those, like, my life is flashing before my eyes. We had Jim and Cindy, and Cindy is just thinking about that guy and not Jim. (laughs) She's thinking about her can crushing and her man crushing. (laughs) Good thoughts only. (laughs) 
Okay, but seriously, I feel like Cindy would actually be like, the roast! <laughs> yeah. Think of all the things I could have composted. All the cans I'll never crush. <laughs> all the recycling that won't get taken to the recycling center. Does anyone know where I keep the recycling in the house? <laughs> oh, man. And Jim's but just thinking about his keyboard. <laughs> Jim is just like, did I file that tax return before we took off? <laughs> oh, man, I really, I thought I learned that last jingle. Just, I'm never going to get to play it again. Oh, my gosh. And then they brought out a keyboard at the end of this episode. And like, I know. My stomach, I was like, no, I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> it has to stop. But anyway, they're still at dinner. Because, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, they're having this flashback of the first Christmas and, like, you know, first they talk about the tree and how hot it was and blah, blah, blah. And then they mention, they do like the full scenes of Brenda bringing home that Santa. Yeah, it was a long scene. Like they went the full, I don't know, a couple minutes to three minutes or so of that scene. And I didn't even write it down because it's like stuff we've already talked about. So I was like, yeah, they reflect on the Santa that Brenda brought home. Everybody remembers that. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that you know, Cindy was like, oh, I love having Christmas at home. And they were like, what about that time you were homesick? And then nobody mentions that she also was ready to call the cops on that Santa. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, that was a bad Christmas, actually. It really was. Why are we talking about it? I know. But luckily, uh, then, oh, unless you want to talk more about the reflection. Oh, no, I was going to talk about Dylan. Okay, good. Yeah, because then Dylan just shows up for with presents for the Walsh family and even asks Iris uh, or asks them to give Iris a present, which is hilarious because Cindy's like, oh, I can't wait to see her. And I'm like, oh, Cindy misses her BFF. <laughs> or go to a mind spa. Yeah. Oh like, my how God. adorable. I... I really need an episode now where Cindy goes to see Iris and it's just the two of them. I know. Like, give me that spinoff. <laughs> I want that spinoff. I want them right? to just go to the mind gym and drink juice and talk shit about people. Yep. Oh my gosh. They would talk so much shit about everyone. It's That'd like, so at first, I think Iris would talk the most shit and Cindy would do that oh you you know kind of thing but then it's like she makes a comment and iris is at first taken aback like oh, here we go cindy like let's go and then cindy just goes full like mean girl i would love it <laughs> cindy just has it oh sorry cindy has it in her she just needs the right topic exactly no i definitely think it's just been like sitting in there and yeah she just needs somebody to bring that out for her and she needs like nobody to be around like, oh, she totally. can't do this in front of Brandon and Jim and Brenda. Like, it's got to be Iris. Mm -hmm. Also, I just realized Iris is never going to get that Christmas present. Oh, no. I want to know what it was now. <laughs> I want to know what Dylan got everybody because he is, like, high on Christmas. Oh, he is, yeah, all about it. And he usually isn't up for holidays and stuff. But he even, like comes up and he's just like in a great mood and then they're like what are you doing for Christmas Dylan he's like oh I'm going to Baja which of course he is he's either going to Baja or he's going to um what's the other place he goes all the time or is it Baja I think it's still Baja but they say Baja California and like later in the episode he's like oh yeah I gotta go to Mexico right, right. and like Baja does span both but I think they're like kind of 
mixing California and Mexico. Maybe that's why I'm thinking that. But yeah, it's like, of course, he's going to Baja. He's going to go surf. And when he leaves, he just has this like gorgeous smile. And I just remember thinking this whole episode, happy, like as much as we love broody, moody, what is it? What's the thing he always says? Bad, uh, bad, 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 dangerous to know. Yeah. As much as we love that kind of Dylan, happy, excited Dylan just like warms my heart so, so much because his smile is so infectious. Like he was happy. I was happy. I know it was like it was really throwing me off that he was just literally going up to every single girl and giving these like big mouth kisses. <laughs> but I was like, Dylan is like Max surfer dude right now. Oh, yeah. Like, um, I don't remember the name of the character, but do you remember uh, in Clueless, Brecken Meyer's character that's like two enthusiastic thumbs way up? Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's like, this is the energy I'm feeling right now. It really is. But it's so, like, like I just said, like, it's so infectious. And I just always want it. I would take a million episodes of Dylan being happy even if that meant nothing else like dramatic happen because I don't know. I just, oh, I I'm, feel like we've been waiting for it. I am so curious to see where this goes because yeah, this show has taught me not to trust anything. Oh, totally. Oh yeah. But yeah, like he's just, he's just having fun. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh baby. Which he leaves this place and <laughs> this place, the Walsh house. <laughs> And goes to the beach apartment where Donna and Kelly are putting on ornaments. Donna's kind of reminiscing about the different ornaments that she has. And a lot of them are from her parents and stuff. And then Dylan comes in with presents again and stands right under the mistletoe and then kisses Donna. Which at first, like, okay, whatever. But also I'm like, you're literally dating the girl that's like right next to you. And also, Donna, you're dating a person that you've been dating for like two years. Like, I can't imagine a scenario in which either of all of us were in a room <laughs> and any one of our husbands were under a mistletoe and any one of us just walks up and kisses him. Like, I just got really uncomfortable with the idea of any of this happening. Like, like it's a little funny, <laughs> but like how uncomfortable it is. I, I literally can't even picture it. Like, I'm trying in my mind. I'm like, just picture, like, Nate and anyone who's not Caitlin, and I'm like, I can't do it. I feel like in that scenario, I would push any one of our husbands towards whichever husband of ours is. (laughs) I would approach any of them. That's a good point. I would probably also rather kiss one of you more so than John or Michael. Like, no offense to them at all. I just would feel more comfortable kissing either one of you. (laughs) No. Same. I was. I just can't. <laughs> I can't see it. Yeah, it's it's just weird. And like, it is. You know, he's standing under the mistletoe, and even Kelly is like, "Oh, Donna, he's standing under the mistletoe." And like, at first, it's just like a little peck, and I was like, "Okay, they've done that before," like among the friend group, whatever. And then he hands her a birthday gift on top of her Christmas present, and then they just like intensely make out for yeah. a good 10 seconds. And I was like, what is happening? Like I was watching it like this is a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't get it. Like I understand I don't know. I don't maybe I don't understand. I, I don't, don't get it. I mean 
I I am not like a hugely touchy feely person on my own. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I just don't get it. Again, it's like okay. I guess I would like let's just say all six of us were single, and we were just all friends. Then I understand. Like I I could see that. Like if you and John weren't married, if you and Michael weren't married, and if Nate and I weren't married. And we were just all friends and just buddy buddy, then sure, anyone's fair game, right? Like, I guess it makes sense. But there's this like deeper connection <laughs> that we have built with these people. And I mean, yeah, okay, Donna, or I'm sorry, Kelly and Dylan aren't like exclusive, I guess. And they're kind of in this weird, like, we don't really spend all that much time together, but when we do, it's great. But Donna and David are in a very committed relationship, albeit up and down right now, but still committed. So it just feels weird. And maybe we're talking too much about it, but I I don't know. It's just weird. I think we are talking too much about it, but I don't want to stop because, yeah, now I'm like, maybe Kelly's okay with it because Donna is in a committed relationship with somebody else. That's a good point. I don't know. If you're going to kiss somebody else, kiss my best friend who I am not threatened by at all or something. Exactly. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if she knew about the Brenda kiss, that would be mm. a little bit different. That's fair. Yeah. And I then, don't know, though. I guess, like, okay, let's think about this logically. <laughs> if Nate was going to kiss another girl, which he better not, <laughs> would I rather it be you, either one of you or a stranger? You know what? I think Yes. I think right. I would rather it be one of you than just some random girl in a bar and, well, we can't go to bars anywhere. We can't go anywhere. <laughs> but, yeah, I think so. All right. So it tracks. I take everything back that I said about this being <laughs> weird, I guess. I mean, it's still weird, but, like, <laughs> in a would-you-rather scenario, the the answer's clear. Yeah. No, it's – I think it's fair. It's – it's a little more touchy-feely than I'm used to, but it's not – I mean, we started the episode being like, why are Brandon and Brenda so sexual with each other? <laughs> like, this is true. not new. True, true. But then for some reason, we find out that Jackie and Aaron are out of town until New Year's, so mm-hmm. Kelly's on her own, which yeah. got me thinking, you know, Kelly's on her own for that. Dylan's on his own because he's Dylan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, David doesn't want to go see his dad. Donna's parents live in Texas and were just here like a week ago. Yeah. You know, why aren't they all planning to hang out together anyway? Like, I know they do tomorrow, but like, why wouldn't they all just go to Mel's party? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, because at the end of the day, they all end up being together anyway in some form or fashion. It's not all at Mel's party, but like, yeah, with the exception of Dylan, they end up being together anyway. Yeah, and Dylan wasn't going to be there. But, like, yeah. why? it made me think of the Thanksgiving episode where Brenda's like, you always say you're going to Baja and then you end up at our house. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he ends up not going to Baja for a different reason. But, like, why wouldn't he just accept it and be like, yeah, I guess I'm not going to Baja. I'm going to go to the beach apartment. Right. But anyway, because David is going to Mel's party with Donna and for some reason yeah he shows up in that like super beige suit <laughs> and then just like I swear I feel like he just like steps in front of Donna and just like won't make eye contact with her yeah I mean the whole episode you know the starts it between David and Donna is just super awkward and everybody sees it too and even 
when Kelly kind of asks about it, Donna just kind of blames it on the fact that he doesn't want to go to Mel's and he's like still upset about the custody stuff. But like she's got to know in the back of her mind what this is about. And I think everybody does. Right. Because it's it's been this whole issue pretty much for David the whole time. But really, just recently, it came all to the forefront because of the fact that Donna kind of dangled it right in front of him and then took it away. Now, granted, I'm not saying that was right or wrong because Donna has every right to change her mind and do what she wants or not want. But, you know, obviously, that's what's affecting David, not this custody stuff, which it might be, but it's not the reason he's being moody. As I think the custody thing is still there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Donna's much in the foreground of his mind. And like, I don't know, maybe the reason that she's standing there being like, well, it's it's not me. It's this other stuff. It's blah, 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 is because sex isn't a big deal to her. Sure. Like, she's not sitting there thinking about sex over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to like not care about an issue if it's not an issue to you. Yeah. I'm like, ugh. poor little baby Donna. I'm so – I'm always mad at David, but like <laughs> I am extra mad at David right now. I know. He's just being a jerk and and I get you're mad and stuff, but like I think at that point and again, this is just him being like 17, 18 years old, like he's got to know if you're going to be like this, just get away. Get away from the situation, right? Just excuse yourself, tell Donna you're mad at her and leave. Well, and I mean that's the thing that gets me is, you know, he waits until Christmas and her birthday and like all of these things to have happened to be like you know, I think he – I don't remember exactly what he says. I didn't write it down. But he basically says, I'm breaking up with you because you won't have sex with me. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's been two years and she hasn't had sex with you. Yeah, it's not new. Like, you knew this was coming. And if this was going to be a big deal a while ago, maybe you should have done something about it. Or maybe you should just talk about it more. Maybe, I mean – Maybe you should get the fuck over yourself. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Like you have to be compatible in the physical attraction department and like you have to have um, that aspect of a relationship. It's super important, but it's as important as you make it in your relationship. Like some relationships, it's not all about sex, right? In other relationships, it's like, you know, every second that's what's going on. But like you don't know unless you talk about it. And if you find you're not compatible, you're not on the same page about it, then you got to make decisions. But they're just not really talking about it. They're both being kind of immature about it because they're young. But also probably that has to do with the fact that they're not ready to take that step in the relationship. And they're just clearly not on the same page. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like the conversation has just kept being David pressuring her to have sex, her saying no. Mm -hmm. And then nothing happens until the next time David pressures her to have sex. And then she says no. Exactly. Which like – yeah, this is the whole thing of I don't feel bad about this breakup. And I'm I'm so mad that he made little baby Donna cry. I know. But that's literally the very last episode, scene <laughs> in the episode. It is. Because at this point, like, Dylan's all excited. Dylan leaves. Then Kelly gets all Psych 101 on Donna and Dylan. Um, or, I'm sorry, to Donna about Dylan. And Donna, like, kind of gets annoyed and thinks she's, like, taking it too seriously. <laughs> And I'm like, LOL on another attempt to make Kelly obsessed with her psychology class. Like, could we be more blatant about this? I, it just made me, like, first of all, a little offended that she was like, a lot of people use the holidays to hide how lonely they really are. And I was like, I was really excited about Christmas this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
personally, I, I didn't see Dylan really like hiding any feelings here. I just thought he was excited for some reason, but who knows? We'll find out later. I think, I'm sure. I think Dylan enjoys giving gifts to other people and like making yeah. them happy if there's not like some horrible thing weighing down on him. Because the next thing we see is him flashing back to the same Christmas that the Walshes were thinking about mm-hmm. where he went to go visit his dad in prison. And then it jumps to him watching his dad die. Oh, yeah. I was it like, spirals real quick. I was like, this is traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I know. I mean, clearly he hasn't, obviously, he hasn't processed his dad's death, which rightfully so. It just happened. And, you know, he, this is his first Christmas, even though he didn't have Jack for many Christmases, it seems like. This is his first one where he had him back and then doesn't anymore. So, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, that was the whole thing, right? Like, he lost his dad. And so he didn't just lose, like, his dad. He lost the future he was going to have with his dad. hmm But luckily his, like, depression spiral, I guess, luckily, gets interrupted by someone at the door. And it's just, like, a woman and a child with bags. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I don't know. I get, you know, everything that was happening. But, like, just having two random people you have never met before show up on your doorstep with suitcases. I'm just like, I don't know that I'd let you in my house. You might never leave. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, Dylan is immediately skeptical, right? Like, he... Sure, he lets a man to use the phone, but like he's immediately like, "Who are you? Why are you here? How do you know who I am?" And I mean, it yeah, it gets kind of weird. Like you know, she's like, "Oh, your dad said if I was ever in town, I should look you up or look him up." I don't remember exactly. And then he's like, "Well, Jack's dead." Mm-hmm. So they go in to use the phone because they give him a sob story of like, "Do you know about a motel that we could go stay at?" And then. When he, like, leaves to get them drinks, the little girl, whose name is Erica, talks to her mom, Suzanne, and is like, Mom, I don't feel right about being here. Her mom says, just do exactly what we talked about on the bus. We'll get through this. Mm-hmm. Which, like, is a really weird thing to say. Well, and the fact that the child is kind of, I guess, knowledgeable enough to feel weird about it is really the off-putting part, right? Because obviously with Dylan being skeptical and us knowing absolutely nothing about these people, you could understand from the adult's perspective of being like, yep, just stick to the script. Like, we're just going to do this thing and get out. But for the kid to be like, um, I'm a little kid and this seems weird to me. That's what's off-putting. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't want to think the worst in people, but I also know this is a Dylan story, so I think the worst in people. Well, and again, like you said earlier, it's like we've been conditioned to not trust anything or anyone. And so just as Dylan was when they first showed up, like the audience is automatically skeptical too. It's like, don't you mess with my Dylan. Don't you mess with that sweet boy. Like you're immediately putting on your defenses to protect Dylan and protect whatever's about to happen. Yeah. And then like, there's a scene in between the next scene with Dylan where Andre goes to the Walsh's house, but we basically talked about it. So we get back to the uh, Dylan's house 
And that little girl has fallen asleep on his couch watching TV. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just, they just, like, let themselves in. They really did. Oh, yeah. They made themselves at home. Yeah. And then Suzanne is just telling him, like, oh, yeah, your dad used to take me with him on business trips where I was like, oh, this this is really gross. This is weird. Like, you thought this wouldn't be weird? I was trying to rack my brain of, like, what kind of profession – would include being a travel companion and none There's of the one. ideas like yeah yeah none <laughs> of the ideas i came up with were like their business partners or their co-workers or something so automatically it was automatically we were skeptical and now i'm like really questioning the nature of the relationship right yeah and i mean like you know i guess to skip ahead a little bit later you know you find out that they did have a physical relationship and that this little girl is actually Dylan's sister. And I love that Suzanne is like, well, her father died last year. And then is just like, why didn't you get this? Why didn't you understand what I just said? Yeah. It's like, Dylan, I'm giving you all the breadcrumbs here, buddy. Just follow him straight to the house. And it's like, just say it. Right? (laughs) Like, it wasn't even a good one. No. No. But, like, I don't know. I This whole time I was just like, so he had a really uncomfortable relationship with his dad. I don't think he dealt well with his parents' divorce, which we don't even really know, like, when mm-hmm. that happened, I feel like. Because I feel like at the very beginning of the show, his parents – I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I know what you're talking about because when he calls um, – In, like, the very first Dylan episode, he calls mm-hmm. looking for both of his parents, right? Yep. I am pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. But, like, you know, all this stuff and he, like, his dad didn't spend holidays with him. And then this woman is like, oh, yeah, he spent all the holidays with me. And, like, I, we're supposed to have a good relationship. And and what is, what is, like, I keep going back. So, a uh, little backstory. Nate and I just finished rewatching The Good Place. Love The Good Place. But I keep going back to what Dylan is like, what does he owe to Erica and Suzanne? Nothing. I feel like he doesn't – yeah, I I feel like he doesn't owe them anything. And, I mean, now, because Dylan's a good person, of course he's going to do, quote-unquote, the right thing or maybe just a thing that's good. But, like, he really doesn't owe anything to Suzanne – but I could understand him wanting to owe something to Erica. And see, like, this is what makes me so skeptical is that he essentially has no family. Like, he and Iris, I guess, have just agreed that, like, we exist in the same universe together and that's about it. Mm-hmm. So, like, he wants a family and, like, these people just happen to show up and be like, here's your family. Like, yeah, skeptical. Right. And anytime that happens – I won't say anytime in television when that happens it's usually ends up being about money right or access or something and you just really hope that that's not the case and especially for Erica's perspective you can assume that's not the case right because for all intents and purposes she is a child who doesn't have her dad has her mom but potentially has a brother out there and she just wants to meet her brother right so You can assume her intentions are clear, but she's being brought into potentially, because we don't know for sure, we hope not, but she's potentially being brought into bad intentions. 
Sorry, I just had this moment where I was just like, what if she's not actually a small child, but just like a very short adult that's pretending to be a child so that she could take his money? Oh my God. <laughs> All right, that's a different level of skepticism. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little too soap opera for 90210, but I promise you that it's happened somewhere on oh. TV. It has to. I mean, you don't have like Days of Our Lives being, I think it's Days of Our Lives or General Hospital, one of them being like the longest running television show ever to not have that storyline. That's also like the premise of this horror movie that came out in like 2009, Orphan. That's what I was thinking of. Oh my God. And then there was also like a case pretty recently, like within the last couple of years of um, parents like who abandoned their child because they said she was an adult and just left her like in an apartment by herself like a 14 like 12 year old maybe 12 to 14 oh my god yeah. yeah and then they like ran away or something and they're just like she's scamming us she's an adult lady and yeah you know, these parents are absolutely fucking insane and I'm pretty sure they're going to prison because that was a kid yeah no I remember that and like Truly, that's what I'm thinking of is that like this girl is showing up and she's like, yeah, I'm 10. Look at this really cute drawing I did for you. And then like going around the corner of the house and smoking a cigarette and being like, <laughs> man, we really got this guy, didn't we? Oh, my God. All I can say is if that happens, which I know what happens, but if that happens, poor Dylan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely not happening, but something <laughs> is going to happen to him to make me feel bad. I'm sure. We'll see. And then, so, I guess, like, the Walshes, I guess, have gotten on the plane at this point, and this is when we get the flashback to Cindy being Jaja, and, like, mm-hmm. this plane is gigantic. Oh, my I God, yeah. I over it. I know, same. Like, this sent me down a rabbit hole, because you can see a spiral staircase behind them, oh, and I was yeah. like, this is a two, dub- like, a double-decker plane? It made me think of, um, I don't know why I just thought of it, but the, um, what is that episode of The Office in the very, in like the first season, the, when they're on the booze cruise, booze cruise, that's what it is. <laughs> and they have like, I think they have a spiral staircase in there too. That's what it made me think of. It reminded me of the wedding singer, like at the very oh, yeah. end when there's just people like wandering around in first class because it's huge, like a club or something. Yeah. That was like, I swear, Jim could have stuck both arms out and not touched the seats. And like, I know flying used to be vastly different. And like, as time has gone on, like, you know, economy has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And like, I apparently first class has as well. Yeah. But I was just like, what is this? Also, the idea that those kids got to fly first class. I know. At first I was like, wait, no, they're not flying first class. Brandon just made a joke. But no, no, no. They're flying first class. And like y'all got four plane tickets to Hawaii. Now, granted, from LA to Hawaii, it's not as big deal from like Atlanta to Hawaii. But still, I'm like, y'all got a nonstop direct flight to Hawaii for four people in first class. Absolutely not. Saving this money for four years. (laughs) (laughs) I just ugh. I think I may have been in first class once in my entire life. Like, even on our honeymoon, we were just like, no, economy plus. Yeah. No, we just did regular basic economy. Like, I've never done anything more than basic economy. We drove to our honeymoon. (laughs) (laughs) 
Man. <laughs> like must be nice. Seriously. Friggin' Walsh's. <laughs> and then at the beach apartment, they're getting ready to go to the party and like Donna's finally all dressed and she sees David in the kitchen. And this is kind of like super adorable when she just like reaches up, pulls down the mistletoe and like walks over to him. And then she's like, oh, I guess you're trapped. You have to kiss me. And he's like, yeah, I guess I am. It's like, Donna, listen to the... Listen to what he's saying here. I know. Oh. Yeah. I know. I mean, he's like, he's still in a bad mood. Donna even tries to convince Kelly to go with them. And David is a jerk about that, which like shouldn't even matter to David if Kelly goes or not. So that's how you know, like, it doesn't matter what Donna says. David's going to snap. See, This is what gets me about this show is that David has consistently been a terrible character. Like, I feel like his redeeming qualities may be like three on one hand. And then like his horrible qualities, I would need both hands, both feet and somebody else's hands. Yeah. I mean, like really, the only thing I can think of that is somewhat redeeming is just kind of his loyalty to baby Aaron. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, like, like, because we've not seen him be a good friend, not necessarily because we've been given so many opportunities and he's been bad. We just really haven't seen any opportunity because he's really, truly only close to Donna and Kelly. Well, he doesn't have his like boys or anything. Well, and that's kind of the thing is I was thinking like, oh, well, you know, he like really stood up and like had that emotional moment when Scott died. But I was like, oh, he felt that because he was a dick to Scott. Yeah. So it's like we just haven't really been given many opportunities to see David be a good guy. So I think it's been really easy for us to be like, oh, yeah, David's just kind of a bad character. And to be fair, with a cast, a main cast this big, it's hard to kind of establish everybody as a good character. But at the same time, I feel like everybody else has been more established than David. Like they just haven't given David anything. It's like everybody has a role to play in the friend group and like Mm -hmm. david's is to just be the like dickhead yeah and like be donna's boyfriend yeah like he exists as kelly's younger brother kind of and donna's boyfriend like now that they've broken up and mel and jackie are divorced i'm kind of just like why is david here yeah i mean so the good news and i'll just give you a little inside baseball here but the good news is is that david Stuff happens with David this season, and we'll see it soon. Um, the good news is is I think season five is bigger for David, if I remember correctly, because a character comes into play, and I know that they have a lot of interaction. I just don't know if that major interaction is season five or not, but let me just go ahead and tell you guys, I am so excited for the new character in season five. So I, I am excited. Girl, she she's a good character. No, I'm I'm excited for some new characters because like <laughs> I feel like four seasons is not actually that much that I'm sitting here being like, I'm tired of these people. I think it's just the fact that like they're longer seasons, so we've had m- way more time to get to know them and be with them. So it's kind of like, all right, let's like with adding Jesse and you know, stuff like that, like let's add some new people into the mix to see like what happens with the characters and stuff. But I mean Seeing how excited I am for this character, 
you got to know that she's probably a villain. <laughs> so get ready for that. <laughs> I mean, this, we do need a good villain. I'm so Ooh, ready. We're going to get one. She's like well known in the TV world as being like a bad girl. So I'm so ready. <laughs> Your little face. I'm just so excited. I love a good villain. I just, I do. I did. So <laughs> okay. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. So we are at David B. and Moody, and then we go back to the plane, actually, because we just talked about Dylan's part where yeah. they talk about the half-sister situation. But so there is some turbulence on the plane, and let me tell you, I got some anxiety, like some secondhand anxiety there because I felt it for sure. <laughs> but apparently the big news here is that Brandon cares about school. He's studying for finals, and I'm so confused. <laughs> like, Mary mentioned it earlier, and I, I wrote it down. I was like, why aren't finals over? Yeah. And, like, that's it. That's the whole scene is that Brandon is like, I have a chance to get straight A's this semester. I'm like, shouldn't you know that by now? Well, and I'm pretty sure he said semester. So I know last week we were trying to speculate, is it quarters? No, it's semesters. So how do they break up the year? <laughs> I have no answers. I'm so confused. Yeah. Because, like, next week it's going to be January. Like, they can't get around that it's gonna be I next know. semester the only thing I can think of is like I think it was up until kindergarten or first grade or something when we were growing up that school ended in June or something like it didn't always end in May because that but but for pretty much our entire schooling it did but I want to say one year and I think it was first grade the last day of school was my birthday which is super late so I'm like is it at the point where maybe their school actually does go later so they wouldn't – like their semesters were then shifted? I don't know. We may have to Google this one. That makes like no sense because I do remember <laughs> like being – like when I was younger, like starting kindergarten, school didn't start until September and we didn't – Exactly. June. And then – like, school just started earlier and earlier and earlier as the years went on. And, like, I remember just being super pissed that I started ha to have my birthday after school started and not before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just did a very basic, did semesters end in January ever? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at Googling. I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> um, but the answer is no. <laughs> Like, how how can you have midterms two weeks before finals? That's not midterm. That's, like, slightly before end term. I, <laughs> I think the writers, like, forgot about midterms. And they right. just, like, threw them in. And then they were like, finals happen next, right? They just had to serve us, like, a high-value reason to care about school for a sec. And then, oh, crap, our timing. So finals, Yeah. Well, and I think this is a very interesting thing that, like, Brandon is studying for finals, which, by the way, I love that he was highlighting so much on the page. It made me think of Alexis from Schitt's Creek. But, like, he's doing 100%. that. And Brenda's reading a brochure. <laughs> yeah. She's like, does Brenda not have finals? Is Brandon the only one still taking finals? 
Brenda don't care about school. Brenda took hers like on schedule with everyone else. <laughs> oh Brandon just doesn't know how to read a calendar. I was just going to say, what if Brandon missed finals? Oh my God. And he still thinks they're upcoming, but really he just missed them. <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. I, I choose to believe that's what happened. Yeah. But like Sean remembered to take his test for him or some shit. <laughs> oh my god, that that's probably it. He was probably missing his sociology 101 final because uh Professor What's his name is just like, yeah, Brandon and only Brandon <laughs> finals are on December 31st. Right. Definitely. I and mean then- that would make sense actually. Because of their little like confrontation they had last time. Oh my god. Which Speaking of that, for some reason, oh, hold on. The transition to this scene is them on the plane. And I think, like, this is when Brandon and Brenda are like, yeah, everyone has changed. We've all changed, all except one. And that person is Steve. (laughs) (laughs) At the Peach Pit, telling Nat all about what's happened to him this semester. Which, why? We don't need it. We don't need this rundown. I'm telling you, this is the obligatory Nat has to be in the episode. And apparently Steve has to be in the episode. Like, this is why we're getting bored and we're so ready for new characters. We're like, Steve hasn't done anything. Steve's still being really stupid. Well, and Steve keeps talking about the things that he's done that's been so stupid for the past three years. Like, we don't need, like I said, we don't need the rundown. And Nat honestly couldn't care less. <laughs> I know, like nothing comes out of this scene. Steve like tells him all these bad things and Nat's like, just don't do stupid things. Bye. And then he's like, tell your dad. And he's like, I don't want to tell my dad. And Nat's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and even Steve is like, this was not helpful. <laughs> yeah. I know. Man. And Which- then like this is this kind of starts that whole like, Minute and a half scene, minute and a half scene, minute and a half scene, like four back to back or something like that. Yeah. There's a lot of times the only thing I wrote about a scene is just one sentence to be like, they're dumping the fuel over the ocean. Erica made Dylan a picture for Christmas. Andrea went to mass. Right. That's all I got. Even the part of like at Mel's party, Donna's talking to, I guess that was Nina. Dave is on the couch by himself and he's reflecting on how many times he's been rejected. Oh my, like, this is someone that needs to learn how to get their feelings out, which like, yeah, I guess he's sexually repressed and just needs to like, go do something. But like, you can do that by yourself, David. Well, and again, I'll go back to the whole like compatibility thing, because I could understand if you were in a sexual relationship and all of a sudden things started happening where like maybe Donna started rejecting him many many times in a row so you're like oh there's got to be a problem here but this is being rejected when they haven't even begun a sexual relationship so it just feels kind of like you said where he has a lot of pent-up sexual like frustration that he just needs to get out well and like what upset me so much about this scene is that he's literally just like sitting there and he's eating like baby carrots or something so I'm literally in my mind's eye I'm picturing him just like chopping down on baby carrots and being like how dare Donna not have sex with me that's the time that she didn't have sex with me that's the time that she didn't have sex with me and everything Mm -hmm. is her fault without like anybody realizing like you're kind of being like harassy like this is not okay it's not great 
just this whole thing is not great. Like, they very clearly need to spend some time apart. They need to break the hell up and never get back together. (laughs) And then, yeah, like, they can all see that he's being, like, just a little pissy boy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Mel comes over and is like, hey, you want some eggnog? Which... It was just weird. I don't yeah. like the idea of eggnog in like a milk jar or jug or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know. I was just like, oh, I bet there's a film. Ew. I don't like eggnog. <laughs> Coffee pot. Like. I don't. I don't gross. like eggnog. Oh, I'm not an eggnog kind of gal either. But yeah, he comes over and they're like trying to talk to him. And the idea that Donna tried to give him pizza rolls and he was just like, I don't want your pizza rolls. Man, you can never turn down pizza rolls. (laughs) I know. But then Kelly calls Mel through his dentist office to be like, I, you know, I cracked my tooth and everything hurts really bad and I need some help. And he did not sound happy talking to her. He was like, okay, fine, get a pen and I'll tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. And then I I just kind of love, I just love Kelly. I don't know. She's my favorite. Like, her just being like, yeah, I've just been sitting here eating a bunch of chocolate and, oops, cracked my tooth. <laughs> Which I I liked. I thought it was adorable that she was just like eating chocolate and even when they're like, come to this party. And she's like, no, I'm eating candy. Yeah, that's like the whole no, I have to wash my hair kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, I guess the only thing was like, so I watched this episode and then I went for a run and I got like real introspective about the episode. And I was like, <laughs> didn't Kelly have an eating disorder like – a few months ago and like mm-hmm. we didn't really see anything come off of that so like like it's I'm glad she's eating it right. just it it feels like a little too soon for her to just be like yeah I was hungry so I opened a thing of candy I don't know true or like for her to eat the whole thing or something it's kind of like red alarmy or red alert I'm also really curious like how badly she takes care of her teeth that she cracked her tooth on a piece of chocolate Maybe it was like a chocolate covered gobstopper and she didn't know it. <laughs> and she just crunch and it just you never know. Advent calendars and like those Christmas like candy things, they're not your normal set of candies. So who knows what it was? Could have been like really hard peppermint bark or something. It said chocolate covered cherry, but it was a chocolate covered cherry jawbreaker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, poor Kelly. I know. And then, yeah, I mean, frankly, I'm just going to wrap up the Kelly stuff because she goes into Mel's office. He meets her there. He, like, fixes her tooth, but it's only a temporary one, so she has to come back to get a permanent crown put in. And then they, like, realize that they don't hate each other. Mm -hmm. And then Mel's like, Jackie even got a new dentist. Which was kind of funny. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like... It's so like Mel to be so obsessed with his job, which makes sense because he's just been getting around with all the hygienists, but he's like, she even got a new dentist. How dare she? Like, I don't know. It's just so Mel, it seems like. But I do kind of love the scene with Mel and Kelly because it was never about Kelly. And it was never about their relationship. And you can tell there actually is some kindness and some, gen- like, is genuinity a word? Every time I, time I type it into a computer, it says it's not. 
I mean, it sounds anyway, like a whale. There's a some sort of um. It it is a genuine emotion. Correct, and which is nice because I feel like a lot of times when there is a divorce or there's a separation or a breakup, whatever you want to call it, there's collateral damage, and oftentimes collateral damage ends up being the kid. And for example, um, you know, if there is a breakup and it's a step parent that like the step parent and step kid are no longer allowed to talk to each other. So it's nice to see that Mel and Kelly are just like kind of having a good heart to heart because I feel like there actually was a good relationship there. It just didn't work out with Mel and Jackie. Yeah, I kind of hope that this is like a beginning of a shift in the relationship where like Mel and Jackie can get along well enough to take care of the kid. Like right. I, I just want a co-parenting situation. Totally. That's the hope for every kind of divorce. Like, I don't know. It, I can't imagine what it's like to actually be in a relationship that ends in divorce. But it's just so hard to, like, imagine there being that much hatred that you can't put it aside for your own kids. I mean, I'm a poster child of it. So, like, <laughs> I, I, I see it, but I don't get it. Yeah. No, it, it's the same thing. And, like, the show isn't about Mel and Jackie or mm-hmm. even Aaron. So I guess we'll have to wait until 90210, the 2008 reboot, to see how Aaron turns out. Which, if we actually do ever get there by the time we're 40, like, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do that show. I do, too. I loved it so much. <laughs> like, I think I only watched, like, three seasons of it. But it was, like fun it's like it's not even good but it's good (laughs) right it's entertaining and it's like kind of fun it's I mean I haven't seen Riverdale but it reminds me of Riverdale in the sense that it's like over the top and dumb but like you gotta watch it yeah it was definitely fun like it was a blast to watch and Aaron is one of my favorite characters ever I only watched a couple seasons and Aaron was my favorite character so well I did the math and First of all, we are not even to episode 100 of this show out of 292. <laughs> oh and then God. there's BH90210, which they only did six episodes of. So I feel like we might as well just like talk about them. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have to get to 90210. Oh, man. Anyway, but yes, agreed. It's never about them, but we just – we hope good things come up, come from this because it was a good scene for all intents and purposes. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope good things for everyone. I hate David so much, but I hope he gets some therapy. But then, yeah, so now we're going to, like, totally jump around a whole bunch. So yeah. I I do kind of think at this point, like, maybe we, like, wrap up the Dylan thing. Then we can wrap up the walls. Like, because the next thing we see is Dylan shows up at the Peach Pit because mm-hmm. he went to go get food for him and Suzanne and um, – Erica. Thank you. I was going to call her Erin, and I was like, there are not two Aarons. Well, but there is an Aaron and an Erica. It bugged me. It bugged me. Yeah, and then, like, he he also just tells Nat everything. Mm-hmm. And Nat was like, well, it's it's a good time of the year. We should give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Which is, he's not wrong, but, like, yeah, it was, again, pointless scene. Yeah, and then... I don't know. He gets back. Erica hands him a picture of them all celebrating. And then the next day on Christmas, 
Suzanne is like, we need to go to Disneyland. And Erica's staring out the window waiting for Dylan to come home because he left early. And then he comes home with like an entire Christmas celebration because somehow he managed to find a Christmas tree farm that's open today (laughs) and decorations and presents and food and all this stuff and three tickets to Disneyland. And I was like, how long are you planning on keeping these people here? Yeah. Dylan being this, the like Santa, I guess, is cute. But yeah, to your point, it's like, how long does he expect them to be there? Again, it's cute that he's already being like kind of attached to Erica because he just found out like, oh, you're my sister. So maybe he's trying to hang on to a little bit of Jack there. But it's fishy. That's what gets me is just like he is so excited to see all these people and have them in his life. And just like we we need to sit down and talk about this. Mm-hmm. What is what is the relationship here? Right. What's the plan? But we don't and we never see them again. <laughs> Presumably. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Andrea is doing her whole going to mass thing. But we basically talked about her. I don't care. The only thing Sorry. I have to say is the outfit. So bad. That was more for like a Baptist thing. Like, you don't wear that shit to Catholic services, right? I mean, like, it it definitely looks like something you would wear to temple. Because, like she said, like, you have to cover your head. Okay. And, like, you know, just – you also have to cover your shoulders. Like, going to temple is, like, a very somber occasion the few times that I've been. Okay. But, like – Things I did not know. I also just feel like – they always dress Andrea like an old Jewish grandmother. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she probably will be one one day. She probably did go to Grandma Rose and was just like, Grandma, can I borrow a suit? I have to go to Mass. Right. But it's just funny because she actually looks like somebody who's about to go to a Baptist church. Like, because the hat and the gloves, like like an old Southern Baptist kind of situation. Like, not today. But... I just remember seeing folks at church, especially like in the African-American community, it was very showy with outfits, right? And it's like big hat, big gloves, big, like loud colors, like all that kind of stuff. That's what it made me think of. And I was like, where do you think you're going? (laughs) Or like, it it felt very like little kid either. Like I remember being like little and me and my cousin Emily would have the same outfits and like mine would be pink and hers would be yellow or something, but it was like a dress with a jacket, with gloves, with a hat. Oh, my God. And a little Mary Jane's. God. Her outfit reminded me of Madeline, the children's book. (laughs) I see it. I love that. That's hilarious. But, like, yeah, in reality, they're just, like, they're just putting clothes on her to hide the fact that she's pregnant. Like, that's why she's wearing a big coat and why the next time we see her, she's wearing an apron. Totally. But yeah, so Jesse comes oh. to pick her up. They go to mass. Also, they say, I love you. Oh, I totally miss that. I feel yeah. like they've been saying it, though. I don't remember if the... Uh, I like, don't know maybe, if they had or not. Maybe. I feel like the last episode, like when 
Dan was watching them kiss goodbye or whatever, they definitely said I love you. See, and I'm just missing all of this. I'm just like, oh, they're so cute. And I'm just like breezing right past the actual dialogue. Yeah, L words have been thrown out. And yeah, they're they're Stuart and Brenda here. Oh, well, Andrea (laughs) catching up. Hey, Andrea found love. I'm happy for her. I have no problem with this. He's yeah. so much better than everyone else that she's ever dated or been interested in. Except for Jordan. Except for Jordan. That's very true. I See, I skipped Jordan because every time we saw him, he just like stepped into a scene and said, <laughs> hi, I'm here, and then left. It's true. It's true. Because, yeah, I thought about Brandon, the Republican, Dan, Jesse. <laughs> the republican everyone else gets a name but the republican <laughs> i forgot it it's uh jay yeah denim jacket boy yep peter krause yep totally forgot um, anyway so then we get some rapid fire scenes where um yeah we saw the mel and kelly situation um brenda is trying to get all of them cappuccino but then apparently the computer that controls the landing is down, so it's like a big deal, and she doesn't get the cappuccinos. It comes sits down and like freaks out, appropriately yeah. so. And and the captain tells them they're going back to L.A. Yeah, which like I feel like I appreciate this captain keeping everyone up to date, but like the whole part on the flight. So he tells them that everything's not working, and it like might be fine, but it might not be. So they're turning around and going back to L.A., which. I guess is fine, but I don't understand why they couldn't just go to Hawaii. Like, airports exist in Hawaii. You'd still have right. to be on the plane. And it's not like you're running out of fuel. Yeah, because they even say they're dumping the remainder of the fuel just in case they have to land early or something. Which, that, if I ever hear that on a plane, I you know. are going to have to sedate me. <laughs> well, And then the next thing you hear out of him say, if it's any solace to you all. And I was like, what is happening? Like, this is not comforting, actually. I would be inconsolable. (laughs) Like, because seriously, like, I totally understand why they're all just like, this might be the time I die based on how this man is talking. Like, I literally might pass out. Like, if I were to ever hear that, I might just like immediately just pass out. And I and sure. All right. That's that's how I go. I I don't blame you. <laughs> of course, so like, yeah, you see Brenda have a ton of flashbacks. They see Brandon have a ton of flashbacks. They show you Jim and Cindy's faces roll up close, and then like they land totally fine and everything's fine, whatever. I love that Brandon clapped at the landing because that feels <laughs> yeah. like a Brandon thing. To, like he's not wrong. They've just been scared out of their wits, but like it just felt like such a Brandon <laughs> thing to do to break out into applause. And like when he leaves the plane, he's going to like specifically go up to the captain or the pilot or captain, the pilot and just like shake his hand and be like stellar landing, my man. He's going to just clap him on the shoulder and be like, good job, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what baffled me, though, is, like, they're landing without the computer that works the landing gear. So to your point earlier, it's like, why didn't they just go to Hawaii? But also, like, how were they landing if the computer didn't work? Well, so he says at one point that it might just be a light that's out. So (laughs) the bulb burned out and this man is just like, well, plane's broken. 
<laughs> we don't have a light bulb. We can't replace it. How many pilots does it take to replace a light bulb? Also, like, that makes me think of um, the old projector, slide projectors, or not slide projectors, but the... The, like, overhead ones? Yeah, 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 yeah. The overhead projectors, like, when the bulb would go out, it would make that really loud pop sound if you try to turn it on, and everybody would always freak out. It would be hilarious. And then it, like, really smelled really hot, you know? Mm. Good times. Oh, those those sensory memories. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, they land, the they plane. land safely, and it's fine. Yeah, and then, so, like, after that, the only other thing that happens in this episode is that we find out that everyone is at the peach pit helping Nat, like, serve the homeless, clean up after everything, and I just kind of love that the entire gang is, like, got little aprons and Santa hats on, and, like, they're jumping in to help. Like, this was adorable. Mm-hmm. The only thing, and I know it's a criticism, but whatever, Steve sounded like a pirate. Hi. Like, he wasn't sounding like ho, ho, ho. He's like, arr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Pirate Santa? Yes. You must have been a good little girl. <laughs> no, but, like, legit. Like, what do you want for Christmas, my lady? Like, <laughs> I just can only think of Mr. Krabs right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, kind of. Legit, go back and watch. You're not going to. But, like, if you were to go back and watch, like, you would hear him sounding more like a pirate than Santa. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> I love that so much. Unfortunately, like, we have to end on a bad note, though. I was going to say, because, yeah, like, he's getting real into it. You know, Kelly's real into it cleaning up. And then, you know, David starts making shitty comments. And he disappears into the back. And he makes some comment of, like, I'm hanging in there. Mm-hmm. It's like, nothing bad is happening to you. Well, yeah, and Donna makes the same comment. Like somebody, uh, Andrea, I think, mentions to her, like, is, hey, is everything okay? And she's like, I'm hanging in there. Yeah, which makes sense because your boyfriend's being an asshole to you. Like, talk to each other. I know. And then that's like, so the walls just come in. Now it's getting out a keyboard. They're about to start caroling. And thank God we move away from that. Mm-hmm. And David is sitting in the back, sitting in a chair, individually putting pieces of trash into a trash can. <laughs> Yep. And Donna's just like, oh, let me help you so you can get back out front. And he just yells at her. And she's like, no, let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. And so he's basically just like, Donna, I love you. But if you won't have sex with me, I can't date you anymore. And like she doesn't even let him really finish the sentence because she's immediately like sobbing. And this is one of those moments where I get a little annoyed with the show because Again, it's when they focus too much on things that don't matter and then not enough on things that do. This is a monumental scene. This is a two-year relationship about to end. And they cut so fast between David's words and Donna sobbing and saying, don't talk to me or, or go away or leave me alone or whatever she says. And I'm like, hold on. That was too fast of a scene. We spent so much time on the flashback of Santa talking about his family and all of the little flashbacks in Brendan Brandon's heads, which, by the mm-hmm. way, did you see that Brandon had a flashback of himself playing hockey? Um, yes, I did. And Brenda had a flashback of her being Lavoine. So it all works out. <laughs> I just love that she had a flashback of every boy that she's dated. Oh, yeah. Reek was in there. I know. But yeah, like when he says that and then they cut to her and she's already got like a face full of tears mm-hmm. like i don't know maybe she couldn't cry on command or you know nobody thought of it but i kind of would have loved taking a bunch of that other stuff out 
and focusing in on this scene and him talking to her and like seeing her actually break down, not from going zero to 100, but like the ramp up to her being upset. Like you said, like this is monumental and we got nothing. That's what I mean. It's like, because it's not in Donna's nature, I don't think, to shut it all down. Right. Like, cause she isn't, that's essentially what she does. She hears what David is saying and essentially shuts it down the moment he says that, like, he wants to break up or wants to stop seeing each other or whatever he actually says. She's immediately like, leave me alone. And then it's done. And it's like, hold on. There's Donna wants more information. Donna wants to talk about this. Donna actually probably would have wanted to fight for him. No, we don't get to see it. I don't think we're going to get to see a lot of stuff. I think next episode, anytime that we see the two of them in the same scene, you know, I get the feeling it's going to be him being like, get over it. And her being like, I'm not over it. I don't want to talk to you. And like, that's just where we're going to be until, you know, five episodes from now when they do get over it and everyone in the gang is friends again. Mm-hmm. I know. But like, yeah, that's how this episode ends, which is a huge downer. And that's the only meaningful thing that happens in this entire episode it's true well i guess and meeting suzanne and erica but like right i feel like you could have built a much better episode around some of that stuff yeah and you could still make it about christmas i mean Mm -hmm. yeah i just like some of the stuff was absolutely pointless like Mm -hmm. i don't understand why we had to have any of the steve stuff true True. Like, Steve is Santa? Totally fine. Totally for it. But, like, an entire scene where Steve is just like, I haven't learned my lesson. And Nat's just like, no, you haven't. Bye. Yeah. Like, why did Nat tell him to talk to his dad and we're not even going to see Steve talk to his dad about fucking up and also the kegs hazing him? Yeah. I mean, that was exactly it. I was like, he has family nearby. Like, why would he be here? Also, we've literally never seen his dad, really heard about his dad being in the picture, except that he's on the board at USC or something like that, and that he was a keg guy. Yeah, I was actually kind of hoping that this would turn into us seeing his dad. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get it. We'll see. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be honest. I don't really have any ideas for quote of the week do you even have one i have one and it was the only quote i wrote down okay so (laughs) my only guess is when andrea was obsessed about catholic mass at the end of the episode she was after hearing latin spoken i don't know how it became a dead language that's such a good guess um it was not it but like how hilarious that's so funny (laughs) mary what you got I don't have a guess, but um, I just want to honorable mention Pirate Steve because I didn't notice <laughs> it, but now that you mention it, you're right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, you just have to go back and hear it because it was just I, – once I heard it, I couldn't unhear it. But okay. The actual quote of the week this week was when David walks in in that horrible suit <laughs> – and Dylan just looks at him and he's like, Silverado, brother, you look a man on a mission. <laughs> like, I don't know what it was about, but the fact that he called him Silverado and brother in one sentence was just classic Dylan. So I, I think I've chosen to just block out any time that people are nice to David because I hate him. 
<laughs> oh, one last thing. It's not a quote. It's just a thing that Dylan did. But when he was leaving the beach house, he was wearing a Santa hat and he like jerked his head to make it like flip over to the other side and then gave yep. him a cute look and it was beautiful and I loved it. That actually like was up there. Like I did make note of that, that I loved it. And at one point he smiled really big and I also made note of that. So that was very close to being a thing of the week. (laughs) I just love happy Dylan. I know. I'm going to be honest. I don't want to grade this episode. I'm kind of like. I haven't been grading. I'm kind of tired. Yeah. The semester's over. (laughs) Finals already happened, Brandon. (laughs) Yeah. So I vote we skip that and just jump straight into what's going to depress Dylan next week now that he's been so happy. Yeah. I mean, there has to be some payout, no pun intended, of Suzanne and Erica being around. So we'll see. But yeah. So next week we have season four, episode 16, and it's called Crunch Time, which can't be about finals. It can't. I was just thinking. I was like, <laughs> finals? What if this is another one of those ones where they, like, did things out of order and then decided to, like, reorder them and then we're like, well, how do we make this make sense? He's studying for finals on Christmas. So I I, I just read, like, part of the synopsis for next episode. I have to read it out loud because, first of all, I don't know who writes the synopses for IMDb. I don't know if it's, like, Wikipedia where it's, like, I think it's just random people. I think anybody can do it. Okay. Well, this is hilarious if it was just somebody who wrote it because all I'm going to – I'm just going to read up to a certain point because there is, like, spoilers. But it says, David's work and study schedule begins to take a toll on him. Can't even say it. (laughs) (laughs) When midterms come around (laughs) – Okay, no, we have to. I can't talk about this. They're happening for midterms. What is happening? Man, that was hard to get out. (laughs) See, my my guess for crunch time was going to be Kelly gets her new permanent crown put in and eats a bunch of popcorn. (laughs) Excellent. I love that. She just walks around eating crunchy foods because she's like, look at my new tooth, crunch. Look at this celery, crunch. Can I make you guys a snack? Crunch. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh man. We have to end this. I can't. I can't handle this. So good. So we'll find out what crunch time is next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. Also, send us any emails you got on if you heard Pirate Steve or not, because trust me, it's there. Uh, but send us your thoughts, comments, questions, anything you got um, to our email address at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, five stars if you're feeling like it. Uh, share us with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe. You know, the huge. It just really helps us get seen and, and make sure that other people can find us should they want to. Um, and add to our wonderful listeners out there. Yeah. All and- dozens of you. <laughs> <laughs> so from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm Suzanne. I'm Pirate Steve. I'm 
Christmas. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See ya.